Hello, everyone. Angry T here. Um, before we start the show, just have to give a quick disclaimer. We had some corrupted audio happen shortly after halftime. So uh, rather than just edit around it, we decided to just scrap the whole second half. And honestly, it's pretty fortuitous because if I were to describe the second half, essentially what it came down to is me being right on everything and Trey, Mitch, and John having horribly wrong takes, which, you know, it tracks uh, because I am generally smarter, stronger, and more good looking than my co-hosts. So just take that insight into the second half, and I think you're going to get a lot of mileage in terms of winning your dynasty league, you know? Just listen to me uh, and fade what the other three dudes have to say. But with that in mind, uh, I hope you guys enjoy the show. Oh, shit. It's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. I choose a player prop for the upcoming Thursday night game and Tarek and trade debate each side of the over under. John, do you have the coin this week? I do. In fact, I have a riddle for you. I have... I have two coins in my hand, Mitch. One of them is not a quarter. And these two coins, they add up to 30 cents. What are the two coins in my hand? Uh, they're, they're a 69-cent piece, right? Uh, the other one is a quarter, John. We've heard it before. The, uh, I wasn't listening. I was just irritated that there's a riddle here. Uh, yeah, John but, has the what coin. Is, what is uh, 69 points? The other one, negative 34 <laughs> Mitch had See, it right. Yeah, sixty-nine, negative thirty-four. That's why, so, we, yeah. that's why we keep Trey, the analytics guy here. Also, keep, notice keep how I converted to points instead of cents, just because you know. Getting ready. I like where your head's yeah. at, Jesus Trey. Christ. It's a fantasy podcast, after all. Hey, hey, Tara, heads or tails? <laughs> give me tails. Tails. You know what? I'm going to give you heads, and you're going to like it. <laughs> right. Gosh. Oh man. All right. So. I've actually been noticing that I've been saying one surprise topic off the rip and not actually doing anything surprising because it is a player prop for the upcoming game. So I wanted to mix it up a little bit. Not as bad as John did. Um, so Trey, what, Trey, you you get the ball? Sure, let's do it. Uh, which player do you think is going to receive more yards receiving in Thursday night game, which is the Packers versus the Cardinals? Randall Cobb or A.J. Green? Oh, that's gross. Uh, I guess I'll take AJ Green because he's essentially been like the wide receiver too, like pretty consistent for uh, uh, Arizona in that wide receiver two role. I mean, yeah, it's not great, but uh, I'm not really feeling great either about betting on you know more than sixty or seventy receiving yards for uh, Candle Rob. So yeah, I'll take uh, AJ Green, the better of the two old guys. All right, Tarek. Yeah, I. I'm not having to stretch it all here. I actually do think it's going to be Candle Rob uh, without Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard, both on the COVID list. Uh, We've seen, at least in one game, Aaron Rodgers heavily rely on his best friend, Candle Rob, uh, and he doesn't really have much of a choice here. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of Randall Cobb. You're also going to see a lot of Aaron Jones. So I know we didn't do a prop bet here, but whatever Aaron Jones reception total is, take the over. Here's the over and under. So the reason I picked them both on this is that it's 45 and a half for uh, Robert Candle or whatever we're doing with this bit. And, <laughs> Robert Candle. And, and uh, it's 44 and a half for AJ Green. So uh, uh, both of them, I, w- I looked at them and I'm like, you know what, man? They're both awful. I- I'm going to make you guys answer both. Hold on. Is that their over-under or their current age? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, look, if I were uh, parlaying that, I would take the under on AJ Green and the over on Candle Rob. I, I liked Robert Candle. I'm I'm sticking with that for a while. <laughs> Is that a mix between Candle Rob and Bob Tunyon? <laughs> and- <laughs> Something, man. <laughs> yeah, there's there, there's something in there. That's it for makes sure. Sense yeah, you, to you're editing this. This this just on you, man. You figure Stitch it out. It make together, it funny. Make it work. <laughs>
is this year that's right i mean they were playing for like five hours and they didn't even like clear 40 total points so that's uh, big 10 football in the nutshell so that was penn state and illinois right yeah I, right yeah i don't i don't really watch college football but yeah Jahan dodson is interesting he's a senior uh 42.7 percent college dominator which is good breakout age 20.5 which is a little bit later you know if you're looking at dead to me kind of that analytics yeah exactly trey hates him <laughs> for that reason uh but no yeah uh keep an eye on Jahan dodson potentially a top five guy I've, I've liked what i've seen uh what little i've seen because i don't watch college football some uh, ringing clearly. endorsement there <laughs> <laughs> all right uh mitch how are you doing man i, I skipped over you i'm sorry oh, it's okay i just kind of hopped in and then hopped out of trey's thing so I, I i'm in it i'm i'm doing good man things are you in it you in it i'm in it i'm in it he's here i'm in it to win it let's jump into this first half uh we're talking week seven insights so we've been doing this for the last couple of weeks each of us are giving two insights coming from the week seven slate relating specifically to dynasty and what you should do to gain an edge on your league mates in your dynasty league. We're going to start with Trey, what you got for the week seven insight, man. Well, this one, uh, this one hurts a little bit for me. Uh, this, this is going to be about Antonio Gibson. And, uh, my, my idea here is I think he's a buy low target, especially if you're a rebuilder, but the guy's been struggling so far in this year. He's definitely performing way below uh, what we expected to this year. We thought he would kind of take that second year jump. He was going as high as running back 12 in redraft. Uh, but his highest weekly finish so far this year is running back 13. He's currently uh, ranked running back 18 uh, for the rest of the season rankings on Fantasy Pros. So this is a dude I had as high as running back seven in the preseason Keep trade cut had him as high as running back five for dynasty as recently as week two. Damn. And he's since dropped uh, 10 spots since then. So why has he dropped? Well, uh, the usage kind of sucks. Uh, he's only out there for about 54%, about half the snaps uh, because JD McKissick keeps getting all that passing game work. Uh, Gibson's actually getting a ton of carries. He's getting a lot of volume on the ground. He's number five in the NFL and carries to this point with 103 he's only got 18 targets on the year uh, compared to McKissick, his teammate, who's got nearly double. So it's not a great offense either. Uh, Washington's getting uh, to the red zone at a bottom 10 pace uh, in the league. And then they're only converting at a bottom five pace, only 50% of those opportunities. So it's actually kind of lucky. Gibson's got the four touchdowns already that he does have. Uh, plus, they don't really have a great defense this year. The defense isn't really as good as we thought it'd be. So kind of puts them in more passing down situations too and roll all that into this uh, shin injury uh, for Gibson. So it's not really a great picture. So here's why I think he's a buy. I think it's a lock that he's going to be much higher than running back 15 uh, by next summer. Um, and you don't even have to get him now because I think Washington's going to keep struggling. So I think this buy window is open for a while. But uh, I would do deals like Aaron Jones uh, straight up uh, for Gibson right now, assuming Gibson's on a contender. Uh, I would do Joe Mixon straight up for Gibson uh, because that's going to put that contender in a better spot, you know, to actually go into the playoffs. And if you've got a guy like uh, Jerry Judy, who a lot of people are high on, I would prefer to uh, flip Judy for Gibson just because I think his ceiling is a little bit higher, uh, different positions, but higher ceiling than Judy. So um, he's a buy, win uh, buy candidate for me. I already sent an offer out to, to John and was shot down, but uh, I'm going to keep trying. Well, here, here's the question. I, I was thinking about this a lot. It's like, what does he need to do between now and the off season to uh, get that 
rise in value that you're predicting? Because you say he's going to be much higher than running back 15 this summer. What what do you think is going to happen between now and then to make sure that that happens? I think I think part of that's going to be natural. I think there's going to be part of the same stuff that we heard uh, this year that he's going to get that second or third year bump that he's the you know mini Christian McCaffrey in that Ron Rivera offense. You know, uh, there's probably going to be a new quarterback there, so th- you know it's going to be a better situation for him. So. I think there's lots of things working in his favor where these first seven weeks really, really haven't. Yeah, Trey, I tend to agree with you 100% on all of this here. Um, I just recently traded from Tarek uh, Gibson. I just acquired him. And none of this stuff bothers me at all. And it doesn't bother me because he's playing on on an injury. And Mm -hmm. honestly, so like if I'm looking towards the back half of this year or next year, there's so many different moving pieces that... A little injury, a nagging injury that's holding him back is not a big deal to me. Yeah. Like if I can get a discount on him, like you're saying, if I can buy low or if I can if I can buy, I, I don't think that he's bad. I don't think that uh, McKissick's taken his lunch either. It's just this is the circumstance. This is the the hand that he's dealt this year. And I, I think what you said, naturally, he's going to just acquire that value back because he's going to get healthier and people are going to be just as interested as they were this right. year. Right. So for that team where you acquired him, were, are you currently a contender or a rebuilder? I'm a contender, but I have enough okay. pieces to where I yeah. I literally traded for him and then put him on the bench. I did not right, start him right. last week, right. and I was happy I didn't. Yeah, and I think that's a fair move for sure. Um, if you don't have to rely on him right away, that's great. Uh, but even if you do, I mean, he's still probably RB2 rest of the way. Yeah, look, I think part of this is... Like the only area in which I take a little bit of issue with what you're saying here is the idea that he's the potential next Christian McCaffrey in this Rivera offense is it's just because like even in the beginning of the season when he was, you know, ostensibly fully healthy, I think he's kind of always been dealing with some nagging injuries, but he's always kind of been more of like a 60% snap guy. And as that shin injury has gotten a little bit worse, he's gone more down to around 40%. So I think He's going to top out at about like 60 to 70 percent, which is, you know, that's fine for the modern NFL. Like we don't get workhorses as much as we think we do anymore. Um, So I think we need to take that into account. But he's never going to be that 90, 95 percent guy like CMC was, you know, so I just want to, you know, shy away from that comp a little bit. Yeah. And I don't necessarily agree because I think it's kind of like circumstantial based on like an injury history he may or may not have. And okay. Um I mean based on his size and athleticism, I don't see why he couldn't, but it's also just based on usage, right? So we can't control the uh, the way they like working JD McKissick in there, even if he's not necessarily, you know, the most efficient third down back. Yeah. I mean look like he's getting like two to three targets per game. And like right. if if the Washington coaching staff knows at all what they're doing. They need to get Antonio Gibson, former college receiver and beast, like in the receiving game, they need to get him more targets. So you'd think, man, well, he's hurt though. They're trying to dial it back. I get that yeah, too. We'll though. I mean, like there's a problem there with assuming rational coaching, but you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, for Mitch, sure. uh, I'm going to move it over to you for your first insight from week seven. Cool, cool. Yeah, I wanted to talk a bit today about Justin Fields, kind of where he stands with me and where he stands with all of us at TLG. And after his miserable start to his rookie year, uh, I think it presents a buy low window uh, or, you know, maybe maybe we think we should steer steer clear altogether. So 
Judging by your rankings, boys, Tarek, you got him ranked at QB 10. Trey, you also got him at 10. John, you got him at 13. Keep Trade Cut has him at 14. I got him at 15 here. I'd say you guys are pr- uh, pretty much sitting firm on the buy. And I'm sitting on a hedge, and I don't think that's a bad place to be on this one here. So I believe with all the red flags on the stat sheet and on the coaching staff combined with a uh, player like Fields' potential, it opens up an interesting buy and sell window. So... Yeah, let's talk about that miserable start to the year. He's started six games, and in five of them, he's had less than 8.84 fantasy points. Last game, he had five turnovers. Uh, The one game he had more than 8.84 points, he put up 14.26. Not great. Miles Gaskin is eating his fucking fantasy lunch money right now. It's like 2021, and Joe Flacco may legitimately put up more fantasy points than Justin Fields this week. Like, the doubt is seeping in. I can feel it. It's pretty difficult to ignore. Uh, he's not exactly passing the eye test on tape either. Uh, I do think there's a silver lining. Like, our priors on fields are very positive. I think he's a good player in a bad situation, and he can overcome that. Uh, fields will get the rest of the season to try and put something together. I I don't think they said anything about Andy Dalton getting back on the field. So, um, But that could also be negative to his value if he continues to put out outings like this. And then Matt Nagy sucks. You know, he's gone, no doubt. But a new coach and a new regime doesn't necessarily mean that it's Fields' job moving forward either. So that said, if you drafted Fields at third overall in your rookie draft and you're feeling a little uneasy about it, I still think there are plenty of people out there, judging by our rankings, that would pay the same price for him, like that early uh, first-round pick. And I'd say it's totally fine to take that lateral trade just to eliminate the risk. But I could also understand buying, buying the dip here, too. So what do you think, boys? I jokingly said before the season, I hope that uh, Justin Fields' new coach likes him, you know, but it, that, that looks like an inevitability at this point. Nagy's gone, and you have to wonder uh, who who's going to come in and how Justin Fields is going to be used, but you got to think that whoever they bring in, uh, the GM's going to tell them, look, you got to you gotta feature Justin Fields. We got this guy in the first round, so you got to think he's secure. So if there's any sort of buying opportunity here, You've got you. He's going to be a starter for the next three years. I think that's a guarantee. Um, I don't think it's going to happen this year. Like if you're starting him this year, I think you're going to be sad. But going forward, you know at least if he's your QB two, at least you know he's he's going to be playing every week. So there's security in that. You really think he's got the security for the next three years? I don't think that's necessarily a slam dunk. I think that you know next year if it, if it's more like this, then. I don't know. Well, I, I guess it depends on the coach, right? Like, I'm assuming they can make the right hire. I'm just saying the risk is there. Like, it is a conceivable thing to happen where, like, a new coach sure, can come yeah. in and he just... And with that risk added, like, people that have him right now, people that are starting him right now, are not pleased with that result and might be... I, I'm just saying, it, it's not unreasonable to be peeking out the door and seeing what you can get for him. Yeah, I mean, like what you're saying is like me, John and Trey still have him ranked relatively high. There are people out there that conceptually like they would trade for him. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, like, look, Chris Harris, like every week is on his podcast, like banging his head against the table, trying to figure out what Matt Nagy is doing. Like Matt Nagy is not putting Justin Fields in a position to succeed. And it's not all on Nagy. Like Fields has not looked good, like Mitch has said. Um, But I think like you need game planning and infrastructure there to help your quarterback succeed in the way that, you know, Harbaugh's staff did with Lamar Jackson, right? Like Justin Fields is an elite athlete. He's got a great arm and you need to build around those talents. So, and 
I tend to think that the Bears front office is invested in that happening more than they are invested in Matt Nagy, you know, continuing to install this bird brain scheme. Um, so yeah, I, I did when I read, uh, like what you were going to talk about today, I actually went into our rankings and I, and I bumped them down two or three spots, but I'd still be willing to buy at a reasonable price. I still think Justin Fields is worth more than the one Oh one in super flex leagues in 2022. Yeah. Because that one one in, in super flex for 2022 is a quarterback. who's probably not as good as Justin Fields is, or at least not as good of a prospect. So you know what Matt Corral, maybe, right. Like, yeah, maybe. And maybe they will be comparable by next year. But, um, I mean with fields, he, this is essentially like the worst case scenario come to life, right? Like we all kind of knew like, ah, shit, he's going to Chicago. Like, I hope Matt Nagy doesn't ruin him. And then like, guess what? Like, that's exactly what's happening. So um, I I hope it's not permanent. I hope there is a coaching change as soon as possible. Uh, But you definitely should not jump off of a rookie quarterback after struggling through six weeks. Like that is a way overreaction. Like that's way too impulsive to be playing dynasty football or fantasy football here. But um, yeah, I get it. If you think you want to jump ship and get something with like a little bit less risk attached to it, but, uh, my priors are still intact on fields, even though he has really struggled through, uh, first half of the season. For instance, I have fields in our, uh, show league, um, with those guys. And I, uh, I'm a rebuilder, like a deep rebuilder in that yeah. league. And I'm, I haven't even thought about selling fields. So that's where I am. Like, I think if, you probably shouldn't try, but I hear what Mitch is saying. Like, it's okay to try to make that lateral move. Yeah, guys, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, hey, go sell Justin Fields. That's not at all what I'm trying to say here. I still have him at quarterback 15. I'm just saying that, like, when you're putting up stat lines like this, like, people are noticing, and it's, it it needs to be, needs to be thought about, because, like, I I don't know who's got Justin Fields in your league. It's, it's probably not Tarek. So, it's worth, it's worth looking into. Yeah, I hope it turns around for him. I, th- I think he's really good. Um, all right, let's pivot to my first insight from week seven. And I want to talk about Hollywood Brown here. So Marquise Brown has achieved top 24 status in keep trade cut. He is wide receiver 24 right now. And honestly, it's hard to argue despite none of us currently ranking him that high. I actually moved him up to wide receiver 29, which makes me the high man of the four of us. So through seven weeks, he's wide receiver five. No, not a wide receiver five, which is like where we all had him ranked preseason, but wide receiver five overall, 566 yards and six touchdowns. We've actually seen his snap share increase over the course of the season, despite Shoddy B entering the fold, Rashad Bateman. He's a third year player with first round draft capital. Marquise Brown is attached to an elite quarterback that is airing it out more than ever. If we count the end of last year, his end zone acumen has been in the Devontae Adams kind of Cooper Cup stratosphere over the last 11 games. Now, clearly, that's going to regress. I think we can expect it to regress, especially because we are all very high on Rashad Bateman. But I think what this Baltimore offense is demonstrating is that it can support a pretty potent air attack. You know, we need to let go of any kind of residue of any prior about Lamar Jackson being able to support uh, receivers with his arm. The running back room is dog shit right now. The defense is not as scary as it was. And so that kind of supports that narrative. Now we're going to reference keep trade cut a good amount. I think keep trade cut uh, as a value, you know, uh, meter is extremely reactionary and that Agreed. Agreed. player values just are extremely volatile. 
But what I think Keep Trade Cut is doing here in this instance, having Marquise Brown at wide receiver 24 is a little bit more predictive than it is volatile. He's wide receiver 36 in DLF ADP. He's around there in our consensus TLG rankings. And I think his true value is a bit higher than wide receiver 36, which means if I have Marquise Brown, I'm probably holding. If I don't, I'm at least seeing if I can buy. I, I do think Marquise Brown is a good player. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, you know, obviously I was super high on Rashad Bateman coming into this year. And a part of that was me fading Marquise Brown. And, and you got to really respect what he's been able to do uh, through these first seven uh, games. Uh, you mentioned he's uh, got 18.6 fantasy points per game. So that actually puts him at number nine uh, in terms of the per game average, but still a a top 10 performance for a guy who's only 24. uh, And he's currently ranked anywhere in the wide receiver, like 20, you know, four to 36 range. Like, yeah, that's a definitely a buy candidate. If you take out, you know, all of the other circumstance around it, But if you factor in now that this offense is throwing more than they've ever done in the past, you know, recent history, uh, he's got more pieces around him. Like Mark Andrews is kind of coming back to form. Like Rashad Bateman has looked good in his two games back so far. So, yeah, I think there's reason to believe that like Lamar Jackson is going to continue to, you know, throw the ball effectively. This offense is going to throw the ball more often and that we can support a uh, a Marquise Brown uh, type ascension. But but. I still have concerns about his overall like long-term ceiling. I think he his ceiling is probably closer to a guy like Tyler Lockett, where he's always going to be like no higher than your wide receiver, like, you know, 10, 11, 12, which is still valuable. Uh, but, you know, he just doesn't have that upside that a guy like AJ Brown or DK Metcalf has. Right. So Trey, what I'm what I'm thinking you're saying is that the market is going to eventually get this right and correct to his value because it's never going to really go above a certain value. And I think we all kind of missed on Hollywood Brown. I I know I was the high guy at first and just came came down, came back to my senses. And, you know, honestly, that that probably still is kind of how I feel about him, though. I I think that this is more indicative of Lamar Jackson being an incredibly good player. Yeah, being able maybe this to is more shift. of a Lamar Jackson take than it is. Yeah, a I, I think take. that I think that he shifted away from the elite running game and being a part of that running game and just completely flipped it over and started aerating it with these wide receivers. So next year, I think when they get their running backs back or fix that or however they decide to do it, I do see Hollywood still taking a step back. Now, I could okay. be wrong again, uh, honestly, but again, like Bateman uh andrews that running that retooled running game who knows man that's a lot of a lot of good players yeah you say that but lamar jackson already has 480 rushing yards through seven games so he's uh still right on schedule as usual he's pretty good he's pretty damn good he's, he's all right i am reevaluating my take that i only want one wide receiver from baltimore because that <laughs> That's so wrong. I've said some dumb shit on the show. That that's like okay, yeah, we can have two, but I'm still thoroughly confused because with his first game back, Bateman had more targets than Marquise Brown. It's mm-hmm. like, right, oh, right. this is exactly what we thought was going to happen. And then last game, Brown has 14 targets, Bateman has six. So this is definitely right. a situation worth monitoring. Who's the who's the guy out there? That's I still want to know who's the guy, but I think we can roster both of them now. I mean, look, I I, I want to respond to something Mitch said really quickly, just because he he was like, yeah, I I expect him to take a step back. Like, yeah, like he's wide receiver five overall, wide receiver nine in points per game. 
he's going to take a step back, but his keep trade cut price is wide receiver 24. His DLF price is wide right. receiver 36. So he's got plenty of room to take that step back, you know? Um, so I, yeah. And, and even if like uh, Brown comes out next week and is like way ahead of Bateman and targets or the other way around, I mean, it's only three games, guys. Like you can't react yeah, to like sure, that, like sure. small of a it's, sample, it's you know? So like, let's keep an eye on it. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right, John, I'm gonna throw it back to you. What's your first insight out of week seven? Uh, well, speaking of saying stupid shit on the show, I'm going to su- suggest to you that you go out and buy uh, wide receiver wide receiver 60 in PPR leagues right now. And that is the one and only Allen Robinson. Uh, I uh, think he is a great, yeah, wide receiver 60. I couldn't believe it myself. He is a great buy low for 2022. Uh, he had six receptions on 11 targets in week one. We're like, all right, this is A-Rob. But since then, Allen Robinson hasn't seen more than seven targets or had more than four receptions since week one. And last week, he had two receptions on four targets. That was less than Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. I happen to think this has everything to do with the aforementioned Justin Fields and Matt Nagy. And that's why I myself, I've only dropped A-Rob to wide receiver 25 in my rankings behind like Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett. Um, I've been pretty high on uh, A-Rob in the past, but he does deserve a drop. But this is the same old story for me. Uh, A-Rob doesn't have a quarterback, uh, at least one that's not currently ready or not in a system that we've already talked about that's not bringing out his strengths. So I still believe in his talent, and I don't believe he's going to be with Chicago next year. Um, he's he's only 29. He's got time. I believe he's going to end up on a different team next year, and he is going to outperform his current ranking in the wider market. So wide receiver 26 is his current ranking in DLF. Uh, that's pretty close to where I've got him at wide receiver 25. And keep trade cut, cut which we we talked about how it's volatile. His fall has been pretty precipitous. He's currently wide receiver 43. Whoa. Uh, so when Holy we, shit. Yeah, look it up. I couldn't believe it either. So uh, if I had to bet, he's going to be on a new team next year. Yeah. And so when that happens virtually guaranteed to outperform his current value. And then some, I would think, wide receiver 43. So this is a textbook case for me of making a, an investment now that if you can't do it, you should because the trend line's going up. So the value's going to go up. Even if you don't intend on playing him, his value's only got one way to go as far as I'm concerned. That's a guarantee. So that being said, my expectations for the rest of the season, very, very low. Uh, if you're a contender, I would be trying to pivot away give him to a rebuilder, try to get somebody I could play the rest of this season. And if I'm a rebuilder, even if I don't want to play him, you know, you, I've seen Mitch do this a number of times. You get a guy uh, whose value is low now, move him in the offseason when it goes back up, when he goes to a new team. That, that's what I think anyway. So why are you selling low if you're contending then? I would just hold on to his ass and sell him when his value climbed back up. And that, that's the, so uh, this is the argument I had with one of our faithful uh, listeners, Corey, last night. I was trying to convince him to take uh, Henry Ruggs from me. Uh, you got to think. That, so it depends, right? So if you can if you can stand to hold on to him. But if he's like your wide receiver three, then you probably want a guy that you can actually start there. I don't think Allen Robinson is startable the rest of this year. Well, hang on, hang on. So so with A-Rob, because of his age and because of the situation he's in, I don't know that his value is ever going to recover to the point that you're going to like, you know, make a huge profit by like, acquiring, holding, and then selling. But I do think that he is going to be in a better situation. I do think he is going to be the productive receiver that we know he can be again. And maybe that's with Justin Fields when Fields takes the next step. Maybe it's in a new offense next year. But so what I'm saying is if you do hold him, you may 
have him until he retires because he's on the wrong side of that yeah. uh, age curve at this point. And his, you know, productive usefulness will, uh, you know, be greater than whatever like potential value you'd get uh, trying to trade him after that. Yeah. But you do mm-hmm. expect him to bounce back like I do. I do. Yeah. I mean, it can't go any lower than this. <laughs> I do agree with what John is saying here, especially if you are like one of those rebuilders that's like 2022 is my year, you know? Right. Like, I think it's reasonable if you can get Allen Robinson for wide receiver 40 prices right now, if you're a 2022 type player uh, to to go fish around. So I, I, I agree with that. I just I think it's strange that we're drawing a distinction between contending and rebuilding if we're saying it's a slam dunk that he's going to acquire more value than he's at now. To me, that sounds like you just buy him. Regardless. We're having two different conversations at once. I'm saying like if you're able to use him in your lineup in 2022, go get him now because his price is, is really low and we'd expect him to play better in 2022. Go get Alan. So, Robinson. you know, gotcha. I think we're just kind of. Yeah. <laughs> We're, yeah, Go we're just kind of having two different conversations there. One is about playing him in your lineup in 2022. The other is about trying to like get him to resell him, which, you know, both both could work. We'll see. But yeah, I, I, I tend to agree more with the buy him to play him in 2022. Yeah, because he's a good player. All right. Mike check. It is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right. Uh, so we uh, went three and one last week. That means we are 19 and nine overall at 68% success rate. Three and one. And the one was uh, Mr. John Alexander. You're on a little bit of a cold streak there, man. Did it again, buddy. Fuck me. When did it again? Fuck me. You can't hear his face palm through his mic, but he, he is face palming. And yeah. it was sweaty. It was, uh, yeah, guys, I'm going to stop picking bad teams. You're going to see that today. All right. Sounds good. All right, Trey, I'm going to kick it to you first. What is your pick against the spread for this week? All right. Well, this one's pretty straightforward. Give me uh, Tampa Bay as a five-point favorite at New Orleans. You know, this is a divisional matchup, and uh, I do think the Saints defense has played, you know, pretty well this year. But that offense just is not going to be able to score enough against Tampa to cover five points, even at home. I say the Bucks win by nine or ten. So I feel real good about this one. Yeah, I like it, too. Uh, I'm going to go next. Uh, I got the Lions, who are the opposite of the Buccaneers. But uh, I'm taking the Lions plus three and a half at home against the Eagles. So same strategy as last week when I picked the Dolphins uh, against the Falcons. These are two bad teams, so I'm going to take the points at home. And more than that, I also think right now the Lions are a bit more of a functional operation than whatever is going on in Philadelphia. Look, I like Jalen Hurts. I think he can get better, and I think we should be patient with him, but he's not playing great right now. And if the Lions lose, I think it's going to be in 2021 Lions fashion on a last-second field goal, meaning that three-and-a-half is money, baby. That's money. (laughs) All right, John, what you got? I think the Lions might win that game, but yeah, they, they, they've been I a like bit it. unlucky, I think. All right, John. Uh, you yeah, got. I've got the Chargers uh, six point favorite at home against the Patriots. Uh, the reason being uh, Chargers are coming off a bye week. They got blown out against Baltimore a couple of weeks ago. And last year, Belichick made Justin Herbert as a rookie look really silly. It was a 45 to nothing loss. It was one. It was probably his worst game of his rookie campaign this year. Uh, Herbert. And the Chargers are much improved, 
And they're coming off that bye week, so I think they're going to be prepared, and I definitely think they're going to be motivated based on the result last year against the Patriots and based on the result against Baltimore. So I think they bounce back and they take care of business here. Yeah, betting on the Chargers, I like it. Hop back on that horse. All right, Mitch, close this out. I feel like that's our our team as a podcast. I think we picked the Chargers in every single halftime. <laughs> well, then Not last and week, this but... and this team you're about to pick. Oh, I, oh, them and the oh, oh, the Titans. Yeah, let's let's go Titans. Three is that three weeks in a row too? I think but, it's four, man. Four weeks in a row. Well, the last two weeks, the the Titans defeated the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. This week, the Titans got the Colts, and they are in Indianapolis, and they are being disrespected by this plus one and a half spread that I am taking. So tighten up. They're going to win that game against the Colts. The Colts are coming off of two wins, right? They beat, who'd they beat? Oh, the Texans and the 49ers with Jimmy G. No, I'm good, dude. Go Titans. Hey, and speaking of homerism, uh, which I, I like <laughs> this homerism here, but I just want to reference that the Cowboys coming off their bye week, they are 6-0 and against the spread this year, and they are uh, two-and-a-half-point favorites at Minnesota, and I hate it, so that's why I didn't pick it. Uh, I, th- <laughs> I think they might be 6-1 uh, and one against the spread after this week. All right, uh, so uh, the bet is placed. Um, again, I don't really care about the parlay anymore. I just care about our percentage. So, hey, we went 3-1 and one last week. That means our percentage went up. We are at 68%. We are still sharps. We're still TLG financial. Let's do it. Not financial advisors, but take our advice. Not too bad. 